Hey everyone, welcome to the second part of this week's episode, a little bonus episode with a little bit more of my conversation with my mom about grad school and her experience watching me go through everything that is applying to clinical psych. So if a little bit of banter is uh, up your alley, then keep listening. Thanks. What else was on your mind this week? I don't know. I, I wanted to have fun with you. We're always laughing and joking. But uh, this is such a serious topic, <laughs> I feel. Yeah, it is a serious topic. Um, but that I don't think I don't think that means that you have to completely cut humor out of it. I think sometimes I use humor to cope. <laughs> sometimes on Twitter I post memes of like you know my face one I have to read the GRE again or like something like that. And it's just like a really sad cat or something. Um, I think it's, you know, it's relatable and everyone's, everyone's going through it to some degree, you know, it's not as much as it can look easy for some people. It's not easy. It's not an easy thing to go through for anyone. Oh my God. You've been to hell and back with this. This has been like the most grueling, the most frustrating horrible thing i i think i've ever seen you go through oh my gosh yeah we're light and jokey yeah that's light yeah we're joking oh wow high five (laughs) yeah but but i mean like i think i think one of the big reasons other than you being you know an expert on interviews one of the big reasons i wanted you on is because you've really watched me go through all of this and you know, you're kind of like a voice of reason because it's so, so, so easy to get caught in the echo chamber of clinical psych that sometimes you just need someone to pull you out and be like, yeah, it's a 1% acceptance rate this year. Like, if it ends up this way, it's because it's a 1% acceptance rate, you know? Like, you know, when you say things like, well, my backup plan could be law school, med school, it's like people dream of getting into those things, but it's like, that's like the E, you know, people who go for clinical psych, it's like, yeah, I could get into those things. People dream of getting to those things, but it's like, those are the backup plans. I mean, I've like, spoken- Like, that's like hysterical. I've spoken to family friends who are doctors. who are like, please just go into- Med school. Med school. Please it's just easy. do that way. It's easy in comparison. Yeah. Which is ridiculous because these are some of the toughest programs out there, but people don't know. And I think that's one of the challenges is people have no idea. I had no idea. You had no idea. I don't think anyone has any idea how absolutely tough this is. A 1% acceptance rate. Like, why don't we just go buy lottery tickets? Like, why don't we just go get struck by lightning? <laughs> oh, yes. We're on a really happy, fun, fun path now. Um, no, but it's just like, it's grueling. It's difficult. It's challenging. My God, you have to love it. Mm-hmm. You have to be so passionate and committed, like a level like I've never seen. And you you actually said to me at one point, I can't imagine doing anything else with the same commitment and passion. And it blew me away because I could imagine doing many other things. But to have that level of, of passion for a career 
which just does nothing but slam doors in your face after and make you go through so many hoops. I'm a masochist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but you need a good clinical therapist for that. Oh, and I do see a therapist, and I think that that's something that should be normalized as well. Um, going to therapy is one of the best things you can do for yourself. This is also about being kind to yourself on this really tough path and not beating yourself up. And as I said, giving yourself that guilt holiday. I know I may be a little repetitive here, but so many of you do so much work and then you say, what did I do wrong? Where did I go wrong on this? What did I do wrong? What did I say wrong? What did... You're doing nothing wrong. And whatever little tweak you need to do, it's because the whole system, I, you know, I almost sound like a conspiracy theorist. The system is geared to frustrate you. But it kind of, <laughs> it kind of is because the more applicants they were getting, the more barriers they had to put up because, you know, okay, let's make it an A to get in. Okay, we have 500 people who are getting A's because they want to get in. Okay, what next? Okay, uh, uh, GRE, got to do that. You know, and it just, now it's, the new hurdle is how many publications do you have? I was speaking to... I, I'm waiting for the mandatory, you know, Cirque du Soleil Act yeah. as part of your entrance. I was speaking... <laughs> you know, I must do a triple flip on my way in. Yeah, no, and I was, I was speaking to my partner who's um, in a different area of academia, and he was like, you have to be published in your undergrad? that's that's what grad school's for like like what and i never even heard of half the things you guys have to do and it's like as soon as you start talking to people who are going into phds and other disciplines i had a friend who walked up to an engineering professor and said hey i like what you do do you think i could do a phd with you next year and the professor said sure and that was it Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that's not even a shocker. That's yeah. like, that could happen. That's not like a miracle happened. Whereas here, it's like, they got in. It's like miraculous. It's, it's just so hard. And, and I think it's so heartbreaking. I want, you know, I think of myself as a practical optimist. You know, I... I love to be positive and energetic, but my feet are firmly on the ground. And, and so I try and do all the things to have uh, success, but at the same time, I still have dreams. And you are also like that. You, you have this dream of getting in, but you're doing all the practical things. I think the challenge here is that as part of the practical side, you and, and all of your cohorts have to do all of these side gigs and these side paths in order to get to your ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. And that's part of being a practical optimist. It's like, I've got this dream, but it's just not a straight line. And I've got to keep doing all these different things in order to get there and, and keep committed and keep on this path. And that's frustrating and difficult and challenging. And, and at many points, there are tears, there's heartbreak, there's a, a roller coaster of emotions. Um, but
but you stay committed and you stay on the path and that is brave and that's resilient and a little bit intense at times but it is so valuable and these are life lessons yeah i think you know it's better to learn how to get knocked up and get back down get back up again um kind of now before it's 15 years into your career and you get your first curveball and suddenly everything's at stake you know although it feels like everything's at stake now too <laughs> i i was recently reminded that um you know, uh, your grandpa was the longest practicing accountant. Where he's from. Yeah, where he's from. And he practiced till he was 88 years old. And when I was a little girl, he would take me to his office and dream of one day of, you know, me joining his, his, him in his little accounting office. And I can tell you, this was not a shared dream. <laughs> you telling me you don't have a passion for accounting? You know what? It's like not my dream. Mm -hmm. But Grandpa was very persuasive. So I went to school and I learned and I took accounting courses and I was bored out of my mind. And then I discovered marketing and creativity and all of these things that I was passionate about. And I decided to tell grandpa that I was not going to become an accountant and I was going to go into marketing and he grandpa said that's great and now you can afford to pay for university all on your own and he totally cut me off and like cut me off without a penny and I got a job I did whatever I needed to do and I pursued it and I remember being like unbelievably poor uh, I think I lost a lot of weight but I pursued what I wanted and I it wasn't easy but here I am well into my career and I go at it every day and I love it and I have the passion that I had the very first day that I got my first job in it so, so you have to fight for the things that you're passionate about so that you Grand, wake grandpa up didn't talk to me for I think a year <laughs> <laughs> I think he still you know there was a long time and it, even when I was in my 40s, Grandpa would say, you know, it's not too late. You can still go back to university and get a real job. Because <laughs> what I do apparently is not a real job. But he never gave up teasing me. And I still love what I do. So all I'm going to say is that when you find what you love, stick with it. Because it's worth it. And, you know, obviously I'm talking about a different field. But I know that sense of loving and finding what you love. Yeah, I think I think that for some people, and, and I'm talking really about myself here, is when you get to the point where you're like, this is the fourth time that I am do doing all of this. It's, and, and what if you get in the fourth time? That is true. That is true. What do if you want to live your life with regrets? Like, we, we live, I don't, you know, I, I try and live my life with minimal amounts of regrets. I don't want to look back and say the would've, could've, should'ves. Those are the things that haunt people. When I was uh, 29, and I, my life was very settled. I, I lived a nice life, I had a nice boyfriend, and I had a dream. I wanted to go work in Europe. I, I, I like, my dream was to live in Paris one day. 
and I had this opportunity and the president of my company came to me and, you know you've always talked about Paris and you wanted to work in Paris one day well what you work in Europe what if I said Paris the word I didn't even think I said I'll be there tomorrow send for my luggage <laughs> and, and he said you're on and a month later lock stock and barrel I took a one-way ticket and I moved to Paris I didn't even know if they were paying me I was just like, I didn't barely even spoke French. I didn't care. I was like, I was gone. I was going to live my dream. I didn't care if I lived in the street as long as I had a baguette in my hand. <laughs> you know? That was it. I, I couldn't believe it. And, you know, when you have a chance, and everyone was like, you're crazy. Are you having a, you know, a breakdown? You have a boyfriend. You have a place. You have everything. I was like, you're, you won't even have a car there. Like, what are you doing? And I didn't care. You're like, I'll walk. <laughs> I, I went, I had like a, a tiny French apartment. I, I think I, if I turned around, I hit a wall. <laughs> you know? I did not care because I was living my dream and I never wanted to have regrets. Mm-hmm. And those are the things, when people look back at their life, what do they say? I wish I had. Don't have wish I hads. Yeah, I think, I think the feeling more is like, my life is on hold and all of these years are going by and my life is on hold. And I think that's a hard feeling to kick. Is your life on hold or are you just becoming this vine that's growing and developing these gorgeous grapes that are going to come to fruition and you just don't see it yet? Well, I think we talk about how one of one of these movies that we watch that we reference all the time is a movie called Slumdog Millionaire. How, <laughs> how politically correct that name is or that movie is up for debate. But the lesson I think that we both took is you never know... These horrible circumstances. These horrible circumstances. You never know what that one experience is that puts you in the right space at the right time or you learn the right lesson that helps you out later on. You know what? Um... I don't know what life has in store. I don't have the right crystal ball. All I know is that the be- some of the best years of my life were when I took a step into the unknown and I said, I'm going to live my dream. I'm going to take a one-way ticket. I didn't even take a one-way And I'm going to give up everything I know and I'm going to move to Paris. And everyone thought I was crazy and I was giving up everything and I reframed it and I said I'm going on the adventure of a lifetime Mm -hmm. I didn't know French people were not nice to foreigners I didn't know that there was so much bureaucracy that I was going to want to pull my hair out I didn't know that it would take me six months to be able to open a bank account I didn't know all these things I was going on the adventure of a lifetime and every day I would wake up and feel grateful to be there. Mm-hmm. So this is not wasting your life. You are building your life. And this is the adventure of a lifetime that you are getting to experience now that's gonna create the foundation, a solid foundation of who you are. And that is gonna be an amazing person. Well, thank you. <laughs> Personally, I quite like the person right now. Huh. <laughs> Without the degree. Yeah, degrees come come when they will. Yeah. Um, but it's really, 
you know what? If it's this degree or it's another degree or a different path, whatever path you or anyone else chooses, they will still become the amazing people they were meant to be. Yeah. And I think that we live in a we live in a society. Um, well, we, we do live in a society where, you know, you're really expected to get all of your satisfaction and your growth out of a profession or a career. But sometimes the thing that you can be proud of is what you do when you're not at your job. You know I've been volunteering and working with charities my whole life. Yeah, it could and... be that. It could be, you know, you learn to cook and you are the best cook in your friend group and you throw amazing dinner parties and that's what people remember you for. That's great. I I think, you know, we we all have an innate sense of wanting to make a difference. Definitely and, the people listening to this podcast, for sure. You know, and there is a saying in Judaism, you know, if you can save one life, you save the world. And I always thought that was so powerful. We all have this sense that, you know, oh, well, if I don't find a cure for cancer, what good am I anyways? And everything has to be on such a grandiose scale. But what if it's a micro scale that really makes all the difference in the world? What if the difference that we make is being kind to a friend or being kind to ourselves or helping or making the world's best margarita, you know, and giving someone else a smile who passes it on and that that goodwill just keeps going on. Um, you know, I found out, I did, you know, Big Sisters when I was younger and I, and the young girl, I didn't know, um, was going, you know, obviously was going through some challenges um, and she sought me out later in life. And you don't know what one good deed does and you know for a couple of years we met every Sunday and I look forward to seeing her and when she sought me out many years later she told me that those were the worst years of her life that she was suicidal and the only thing that kept her alive and going was looking forward to seeing me Sunday because I would give her all my attention and her family life she was overlooked mm -hmm. uh, and I had no idea. I very selfishly look forward to seeing her um, and spending time with her. So she later went on to become very learned and became a rabbi Aww. and touches uh, thousands of people's lives and uh, you know that is her and her life but you know, sometimes just doing one good deed can unknowingly touch so many lives later on. We don't see the big picture. So while you look at this as maybe, you know, wasting time, maybe you helping others, you doing other things with your life is going to have impact later on that is much greater than you can envision today. Yeah, and I mean, I look at the year ahead of me, because I have a year now um, before I embark on whatever other journey, and I'm like, I don't know what I could learn this year that might change how I see the world, 
change what I want to do with my life. Now, as of now, there's really no persuading me either way, but who knows? I like your pragmatic optimism. <laughs> I think this is really, really good because I've seen you depressed. I've seen you anxious. I've seen you upset. I've seen the full array of human emotions, I yeah. think, on this journey. And it's, um, it's good to see you in the right frame of mind. It's good to see you positive. Uh, and it's good to see you back on track in terms of pursuing your dreams. Yeah, and, and I definitely think that having some good news lately was, you know, one of the things to kind of Did you share turn it around. News? Well, I spoke really briefly, but um, I got a research job and I am going Woo-hoo! to be I am going to be running a study with like a hundred thousand dollar grant. Not that I'm getting that hundred thousand dollars, but I I can run the study with that money and it's a cause I really believe in. And you know, the the lead um, doctor who's in charge of this said that they were looking for someone with perhaps more experience, but they liked me and took a chance on me. And good interview skills. Good interview skills. (laughs) And also just after so many years of, you know, knowing that there was a 1% and not being in it, somebody took a chance on me. And that is literally all it took to make me feel so much better. It's just one person giving me a chance. And, you know, it's it's good news, but it's also just so needed right now. I needed good news. I had, you know, a really tough year of a lot of bad news. This has been a tough year. Yeah. It's been a tough year for everybody, I think. I think this has been, um, you know, People have tried to find the little joys every day, but on the whole, I think it's been a really tough year for everyone. So I I think it's great that everyone is doing what they can to keep pursuing their dreams. That's, I think, where we'll (laughs) uh, stop off for today. I think uh, got a lot of good stuff. So thank you guys so much if you chose to listen to this bonus episode to get a little bit more wisdom from a mom, my mom in particular to be specific. Um, And I hope you had a little fun with us today. Just, you know, shit in the breeze as I like to say. Um, And I think one of the big takeaways that I want you guys to have is to look for those little things. Those little things that make your life just a touch brighter and just really hold on to them right now it's spring and i have a really good feeling that this year is going to bring so much joy and so much more than last year brought and so for now just keep collecting those little gold nuggets and you know hold on to them and find meaning and make your life more joyous choose to make your life more joyous and I will see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in.